Hello and welcome to another episode of Ideas Don't Bleed, a comics podcast presented by Ashcan Press and featuring Matthew Rosenberg and the Supple Boys, Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan. This is part two of our discussion with Jason Aaron. We hope you enjoy. I was wondering, like looking at, at your career, at the oeuvre of your work, if you will, um, <laughs> you don't have to laugh when I use big oh, words. Sorry. Um, <laughs> the uh, The... We could pretend that that's not out of character for me to have a non-monosyllabic vocabulary. <laughs> I, I struggled with both monosyllabic and vocabulary. So. You'll, you'll fix all this in editing, right? Yeah, yeah. We get a we get an AI to come in and do all my. It was code. like you did a pirouette and then you like tripped and fell into a pie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's fair. That's uh, I feel like that's that's pretty much my mo. Um, no, but looking back at all your stuff, you definitely. Uh, especially early, gravitate towards really fucking intense characters, dark characters, like the sort of anti-heroes. There's a lot of Wolverine and Ghost Rider and Punisher and that kind of stuff. Um, is that the stuff that you naturally write? Is that where you feel like your sweet spot is? Or was that something you were like, why is that? Um, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I think, I think I, I, I certainly, when I first, you know, got big into writing as a kid, most of the shit I wrote was pretty dark and d disturbing in a way that now would probably in a post Columbine world that would get me maybe, you know, draw a little extra attention from the teachers. Like we should probably mm -hmm. keep an eye on this fucking kid. I was actually just mm -hmm. at a dinner the other day where people were talking about a uh, Punisher story you wrote. That was exactly that was the subject of what people who should be. I was, at, me? I, I was out with with Sebastian Gurner and Torin and Garth Ennis, and we were talking about Sebastian Gurner said he edited a Punisher story, like one of your first Punisher stories. And then when he was walking through what it was, we were all like, oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, there was a lot of there was a there's some wait Garth Garth Ennis said oh no, my god Garth Ennis made it. Oh uh, pump the brakes on that Garth didn't say oh my god he kind of nodded along like yeah that's how you do it uh, me, me and Torin I think were a little like and I, and it's undoubtedly something I read but I I guess I maybe blocked it out because I I treasure my mental health but the uh yeah there was some there was some punisher killing children stuff in it or no he the uh, the pregnant woman oh yeah he did the punisher punisher max christmas special yeah yeah <laughs> he didn't yeah. no he didn't kill any children it's a it's no, a quite it's a, kills, it's a rather a, heartwarming story for the holidays <laughs> doesn't he kill a woman right after she gives birth that 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 might be true that sounds yeah. familiar well, okay. Uh, um, but she, to be clear, she was a bad woman. She was, she was not a good person. Oh, okay. In the eyes of the Punisher. Look, I, <laughs> I was, I, I was the only time in my life I've ever been called for jury duty was literally for a serial killer trial. 
Oh wow! Here in Kansas City, a serial murder trial. Holy shit! And I was I was dismissed from jury duty because I opposed the death penalty. So I I'm a I am rather far, you know, <laughs> philosophically from Frank Castle. You know, the Punisher's funny because I think when you look back at the history of it, there are some people who are definitely who worked on the book who are like, yeah, Frank mm-hmm. is, yeah, right. And there are some people who are like, Frank's not so right. And it's always a it's a fun time. They don't get us all together in a room to talk about it. They should. Yeah, we should. They, sh- they shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> They could get half of us together in one room and half of us in the other room, and that would be fine. Right. Uh, no, I don't think that's true. I, you know, there's a lot of Punisher stuff that I love that I think comes mm. from people who I politically am not on the same page with, but I still love the books. I, you know, yes, Rosenberg I, loves the bumper stickers too. He's got a bunch of them. Big fan of the bumper sticker. <laughs> uh, love those. Love it when Calvin is pissing on it too which is its own genre subgenre you love when it's it's the uh o in the word deplorable <laughs> yeah that's a good one <laughs> um yeah. the uh, i like it when it's any letter really though mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. using the punisher skull is i have an alphabet on my keyboard that's just every letter is the punisher skull <laughs> oh wow that's awesome yeah this explains your emails yeah that, no one ever <laughs> writes me back uh everyone assumes that i got hacked no that's a real email from me that i spent a long time on it would, you know download the download the font i designed and write me back <laughs> um, the so you go i feel like you're doing really dark stuff and it's and it's being well received and and you're doing the tough guy stuff when do you start making scout that was uh i mean pretty quickly after i'd started working on the other side you know, the other side got green lit and I think I'd written the first couple issues of that for Will Dennis. And he asked me if I wanted to pitch some more stuff. And I, you know, sent, sent in three or four ideas and one of them was, was scalped. Mm-hmm. And we kind of workshopped that for a while and um, took a while before Karen Berger, you know, signed off on it. But um, I, I remember I, I'm sure I've still got, I could dig it out somewhere like it Karen didn't seem convinced about it and at some point I put together a document that was like 35 reasons why why you should approve scalped <laughs> like a document just uh-huh. written by me for specifically for Karen and sent it to her and that was kind of for whatever reason that was sort of what convinced her like she signed off on it after that yeah. is that how you pitch everything now Yes, 30, 35 reasons. 35 reasons why. That's how I got on this podcast. I, yeah, 35 I, reasons <laughs> why I should come on Ideas Don't Bleed podcast. Uh, For anybody the, else, we prefer PowerPoint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or bribery. Bribery works. Either one, PowerPoint or bribery. That's I just sent $35. <laughs> Each was $1 in an envelope, um, which, you know, I can use. I'm not, I'm not above $35. Do you feel like, and this is sort of me just coming at it as a comics fan at the time, scalped, and maybe you can't talk about the perspective on this, or maybe it's just awkward to talk about it, but like Scalp to me felt like sort of a sea change book in some ways. Like it felt like, um, you know, I, I remember when The Other Side came out and, and it's a great book and very cool. And, I, I the, you know, like you were doing other stuff and I was seeing your name places, but Scalped was the book that like everyone I knew who read comics was sort of like, 
I can't believe this book exists. Like this feels like a, a, a major moment. Like, did you, did it feel that way for you? Did it feel like an important work or were you just like, I'm getting to do a book and that's cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was an, it was an important work if for no other reason than that. Right. Like I was getting to do an ongoing comic. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, I could, I could talk a long time about the ways that scalped was important to me, you know, at the time, like the, um, you know, the main characters, like the, has the same name as my son and was born about around the same time. Like he was born mm-hmm. same year scalp debuted. Um, and that book was very much what gave me a comic career. And it, it's, it's what brought me back to Marvel and got me the stuff I started doing there. And, and it's what very much brought me into the comics community and, you know, brought me onto the other side of the table. And it's why I would suddenly, you know, I go to San Diego for the first time when I'm sitting there at dinner with Brian Azzarello and Brian K. Vaughn, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was, it was huge in all those ways. And yes, like meeting people who are, who are reading it and, and reacting to it in a big way and were affected by it and, and, you know, fell in love with those characters in the same way that, that um, me and RM Gara did. Yeah. All that stuff was, um, I, I realized how meaningful, important that was at the time um, for a book that still never really sold great. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it sold well, but um, we kind of, we went for, I think 60, 66 issues. Is that right? Something like that. Right. Yeah. And we kind of had to fight for those last, like the certainly the last arc, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we the TC tried to pull the plug on us at some point, and we we was like, ah, can you give us this many? So, um, and and the other side too. I mean, the other side was I'm I'm sure still now is by far the lowest selling book I've ever <laughs> done because it's the first one is a war uh-huh. book, which nobody fucking reads war books, and sure. is the first book I'd ever written, but um. Those also those two I wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be talking, you know, if it mm-hmm. wasn't for those two books. So mm-hmm. um yes, I realized at the time how hugely important they were and looking back, you know, they only feel even more so because they opened the door for for everything I've done since then and, and I'm still really proud of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I look back and there's certainly things I would do differently. Like they you know, I don't think I'm um, the the same writer that I was then, but I'm still really proud of a lot of the stuff that's in there. Yeah, I uh, I actually got a job because of Scalped. So, um, oh well, I, you're welcome. Yeah. I, 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 well, <laughs> How, do I know this story? Did you tell me this? Story? I mean, it's not a it's not a great story, but I I uh, when I decided I wanted to be, I had a job. I had a really well paying job that was actually a really good job that I. Uh, but it took up all my time and I was like, I want to make comics though. That's what I want to do. And I was like, I have to quit this job. That's like a 60 hour a week, like all consuming thing. And I was like, I'm going to quit my day job and I'm going to get a job at a comic book store just to be around comics and like have a job where I can just like be around comics, think about comics and like check out at, at when I'm done, just be like done for the day and go home and try and make comics. And I went and I dropped off applications at all the comic shops in New York. And I got a call back for an interview at one of them. And I, I, I feel like it wasn't going well, the interview. 
uh i'm i'm uh obnoxious so it doesn't always go great on the on the i'm an acquired taste let's say that <laughs> um and uh but the 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 manager who was interviewing me he was like he's like well like try and sell me a book why don't you try and sell me a comic and i was like okay i was like well i'd say like what's your favorite tv show and he was like the wire and i was like oh okay if your favorite shows the wire and i started talking about scalped and why you should read scalped and i i was like well i think scalped is the equivalent of the wire for you know the me the and uh, the manager was a big scalp fan and he was like you, you nailed it like that was perfect and so like, you got the job i got it right there so look yeah, at yeah. that Wow. So, uh, so I'm partly responsible for you leaving a high paying, yep. promising <laughs> position mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to work at to a comic work, book store, to work at a comic book shop, to, to live was... a life of comics, superstardom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, well, superstardom might not be correct, but <laughs> and uh, now podcasts, podcast superstar. Yeah. I'm a podcast superstar. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, That's in, cool. Oh, you've never told me that story. In hindsight, um, would I have said Stray Bullets instead of instead oh. of Scalped? Maybe. I don't know. Stray Bullets func- formally is closer to the wire, maybe, because it's a bunch of different threads. Scalped is... I mean, I absolutely love Stray Bullets. That's sure. one of my favorite comics ever. But maybe so, I'd say I mean, Scalped still. Um, I, I, would, I would have hired you for saying Stray Bullets. Look at that. Would you, have, would you have hired me if I said Scalped? If I said your own comic to you? And you ran a comic book store? Uh, this I'll, is a complicated scenario i'll now. give you a clue you shouldn't have hired me i was very bad employee. <laughs> I was very bad at the job um but uh yeah so i owe you everything and and i appreciate mm-hmm. that uh, i hope you appreciate <laughs> that well you know just send me a healthy cut of your all your royalties from the last 20 or so years and we'll call it even done done oh wait this is our job and we work for rosenberg do we also have to send you yeah. money <laughs> oh yeah so, oh, this is absolutely oh, a pyramid God. scheme so yeah. you guys <sighs> anybody yeah. anybody you guys have brought in the comics also owes me a oh, yeah because because oh. ryan stegman works for you guys so right. ryan <laughs> gives his money to oh. you you give it to me i give it and to then you. I, I gotta i gotta pass it up to to garth ennis and, and graham oh, morris <laughs> And Who's at the top? Uh, at the top is Atari Force. <laughs> yes, it's oh, top. Entire Atari Force? Stops at Atari Force. Yep. The, the Atari Force. This is how we fund the Atari Force. The real life Atari Force is funded. <laughs> I, th- I thought it was maybe going to be the Roll Doll Estate. We had mentioned Charlie and the Chocolate Factory mm. earlier. Maybe mm. it's him, his family. Yeah. yeah. I think I think they're doing all right. I don't think they need, we don't need oh. to put them at the top of the pyramid. <laughs> they got Netflix mm. money now. They got Netflix money. They got that Matilda money. Matilda? Matilda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said it and then I was like, that's not right, but that is right. It's Matilda. I didn't watch it. I read the book. I didn't watch the movie. Uh, I um I have a super specific question that kind of breaks from the timeline of events that we're going through here. But um, do you want me to vet it with you first, Matt, or do you want me to just Why go would I want that? No. Do you want uh, me to we take can get on a separate call so you, you guys can, just... can talk amongst <laughs> yourselves? <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'll just you're gonna have to trust me on this one. So um something that i really love about comics that i think is really special about comics is how like most people get in through superhero stuff you get in through the big two and then like you really like a particular writer and then you check out their creator own stuff and then in doing so you like really figure out who that writer is through their creator own stuff and it can be kind of a personal connection if it really um if it really vibes with you and your creator own stuff is obviously very 
personal and um and it's like such an interesting body of work and the one that really like connected with me is the goddamned like there was something about it that really like at the time that i read it kind of like spoke to me at that moment and it, and it was something that and i don't think this would surprise griffin or anybody that knows me but like it feels like something that was kind of pulled out of my own head like it feels like it was like oh where's this been all my life and like um and i was just curious like how personal was that book and was that something that was rattling around in your head for a long time like was that something that you had wanted to do since earlier in your career or was it a newer concept yeah it was it, it was ab absolutely something that was there for a long time you know i mentioned a minute ago that when i was working on the other side will asked me to pitch some more stuff so hmm. one of those things was scalped the uh, another one was what ultimately became the goddamned right um i think it, i can't remember it had a different title then but um it 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 sort of got instantly crossed off the list and then vertigo already had a bible comic at the time right right right, right. um like what are the fucking odds <laughs> um but yeah I, you know i grew up grew up in the deep south so i grew up um, Southern Baptist, Southern Baptist grew up with, um, you know, religion was a, a big part of life. And, right. and I definitely was a, a believer, like faith was, was important to me when I was younger. And then I kind of hit a period of my young life where it all started to break down and fall apart for me, the faith part of it. Mm -hmm. But I, I, re I have always remained fascinated by the stories of the Bible, um, yeah. And so that the I, I had known for a long time, I wanted to do a, you know, a really dark and twisted kind of crime story that was set during um, the, you know, the pre-flood era. So, yeah, um, yeah you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that that's the same kind of dark shit that rattles around inside of your head <laughs> right. because, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I feel like I am a, you may not know this or guess this from all the books we're talking about. I'm a happy person, you know, like you I seem happy. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't been in an actual fight with anyone since like third grade, you know, <laughs> Um, and this I is what we've heard one. about you I, before meeting you. We, was... We've talked to so many creators who are like, Jason writes such hardcore books, but he's just the sweetest guy. <laughs> Look, I don't like that people talk about this. I would like to keep the facade going, you know, if I can. There was a there was a very, very real, because um, my first Marvel Summit, I think we'd actually met before that, like maybe a little bit. We, we knew each other a little bit before that. Maybe not. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, but it was my first summit was Donnie's first summit, Ed Brisson's first summit, and uh, Chip's first summit. And uh, you were a writer that me and Ed and Donnie all like really like loved and like looked up. You you know, like you walk into that room and you're sitting there and like for me, it was like it was Bendis and you and like Mark Wade. And it's just like it's a lot to sort of process. And I remember after the last day me and ed and donnie <clears throat> were sitting in a restaurant having food and we all sort of talked about coming to terms with the fact that you were really like incredibly kind and generous in the room and like thoughtful and helpful to everyone and sort of this thing and i just remember having this thing of everyone being like jason's so nice and me being like it's a little disappointing though, isn't it? Like it's a little bit like you want him to feel like a character from his book. Like you want it when he talks to be afraid of him and and then he's not and he's really kind and helpful, but like 
does that suck? And we all had to talk about whether or not it sucked that you were really nice. Um, what was the consensus? Yeah, sucks. Yeah, it sucks. sucks. <laughs> it sucks. But you know, what what are you gonna do? I think I think you're a very I'm nice sorry person. to collectively disappoint you. I mean, I can try to be more of an asshole in my in my later years. I don't see why you wouldn't. It just seems like fun. <laughs> Uh, as someone who's kind of an asshole all the time i can say it's really easy and you're not an asshole all the time not all the time no a lot of the time it's but it's easy and rewarding work is my point and like (laughs) it's much harder to be nice and generous with your time and and like you always are but i well i mean i appreciate you saying nice things like i you know i have been very lucky that i've in the same way kind of you know bendis talks about this of like you kind of learn from the the guys before mm-hmm. you who have been were so nice and gracious to you when you were a fan and for me George Perez was one of those guys he was the first comic creator I ever met at a at a show and I was so completely nervous you know mm-hmm. it's like I was meeting meeting God and incredibly kind to me um, you know I mean the first time I met met Garth Ennis like the, felt the same way of like you know, I had read every issue of Preacher, and then you mm-hmm. meet this guy, and he's such a nice. Still blows my mind when I'm ever I'm hanging out with Garth. You know, like yeah. this is the guy who wrote that sex doll made out of fucking cuts of meat. But, <laughs> yeah. um, so it's the the you you know the the um, I, I like focusing on the positive part of that, and I I have had so many as a kid, as a fan, as a young creator, first breaking into comics the number of like positive experiences I had with other creators who had no reason to be nice to me other than just to be nice. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't, I did nothing for them, but Dill did, you know, wonders um, for me. So um, I think all we can do is try to pass that down and be that for, for somebody else. Do you ever sweat about, because we've talked a bunch about, controversial stuff in your book so is are there were there ever moments when you sweat before a book comes out because it seemed like the goddamned went off without a hitch but there's like that big kerfuffle when mark russell's second coming was coming out and stuff and like do you does any of that stuff do you worry about reactions like that no not really i mean i the maybe that was there was concern you know before my most recent punisher book started Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. um the but the, even that kind of didn't really turn out to be much. No. Um, so no, I, I really don't like whether rightly or wrongly, I don't really think about that at all. You know, I, sure. um, I, 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 I am not these days, you know, more so than ever, I'm not really tuned into what people say online. Sure. I kind of just live my life and um, focus on the relationships with the people I actually work with and, and do the work that I feel good about and believe in and kind of send it out into the world and then see what people think, but really don't never write something and think like, Oh, this is really going to piss, you know, people off or this, but whatever. Sure. Like I just kind of have to do the stuff that speaks to me. You know, yeah. I don't fucking know any other way to do this. You know, I've never known how to write a comic for anybody else uh, except me. What about the what about the like the Jane Foster stuff? Because that's such an mm-hmm. interesting case to me because like it is <clears throat> was something that I feel like was really heated and people were really against and now is like pretty much I mean I don't I don't want to say universally accepted, nothing's universally accepted, but it's well accepted that it's one of the 
iconic defining runs of mm-hmm. a character that's been around since the fucking 60s i mean the character that's been around since the viking ages but uh <laughs> what and, yeah <laughs> the, but, but you know like w- what was that like for you to go from like did, did you feel the heat then when people were like they changed thor into a lady I mean, I was certainly aware of it because it was it was so much bigger than kind of anything I'd been a part of before in terms mm-hmm. of that became, you know, a mainstream story, you know, and they would do they did a joke about it on Saturday Night Live. So it became <laughs> that kind of level. Yeah. I'd never have anything had anything that broke through the mainstream in that way. So the the reaction was so massive. Yes, I was certainly aware of it. Really, the only thing that did for me was I took literally some of the things people were yelling at me and put them into the book, you know, with dialogue <laughs> for Odin or the, the, you know, the scene. Um, the, I, I can always tell when someone is yelling at me because they've actually read one of my comics or they've seen a panel on Reddit. And there's the one issue of Thor where, I, you know, the, 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 the absorbing man, I think it's absorbing man is sort of yelling some of the shit at, at, at Jane. So, <laughs> If the really the only thing that affected me was me having some fun by sticking that into the sure. book, it never mm-hmm. changed a lick of what the book was, what the story was. Because I, I mean, I I don't know about you, Matt. I mean, I feel like as a writer, you kind of sit down and you work on this thing. You're part of it at least, and you know, like mm-hmm. this one came together well, right? Like I yeah. feel good about how the pieces of this fit together. It's still a collaboration, and it's got to come to life you know, with, with the artists and everyone else. But I knew for my part of it, this is solid. Like, I feel really good about the story I'm telling here. And then of course the art part of it was, was absolutely amazing uh, with, with Russell Dowderman and Matt Wilson. So, I mean, I think you always kind of know, like this one's pretty solid, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel good about it. I'm not worried about everybody yelling at me, people who've never, yeah, they they have no idea what this story is because nobody's nobody's read it yet. Yeah, um, I, and they all just loved the you know the the stuff I just did. Yet I just somehow just drove off a cliff because suddenly, yeah, Thor's Thor's a lady. It's not it's it's not really comparable in terms of the outrage or staying power. But in the Joker story that I did, where the Joker appears to be pregnant and isn't for a page oh, yeah. how dare you by the way uh yeah well for <laughs> sure but uh i you know like people are like oh does it get to you when people all these people are yelling at you and threatening you and all this stuff and i was like the first like one of the first things that showed up in my inbox was was a woman emailed me and was just like i'm never gonna watch your fucking movie and i was like i was like it's hard to take any of it seriously after that like it doesn't have a lot of weight like i I, like you guys had her lead the charge and she doesn't know what medium i work in and i was like okay i was like also the movie is gonna like there's gonna be a new joker movie my name's not gonna be on it but it's probably gonna make a billion dollars so we don't actually need you (laughs) to be on board it's fine last one made a billion dollars next one will make a billion dollars no one's really sweating Mm -hmm. it um but it is it is funny how you get like uh, sort of uh, it's the kind of the internet has the ability to both overwhelm you with the anger but also it's diluted because it's so fleeting and ethereal and and not attached to real people in a lot of ways that it's uh right or just a lot of you know the, there's can be a lot of noise from people who aren't reading your work you yeah. know i think if if we were if we were shifts we we wouldn't be that concerned with people who 
were saying our restaurant was horrible when they'd never eaten there, right? Sure. Like, <laughs> probably not going to take your criticism to heart. It, the, I, when we started doing the Jane, when we announced the, you know, the Jane Foster story, or what mm-hmm. the time was just the female Thor story, you didn't know it was Jane yet. I remember somebody yelling that they should bring back the previous Thor writer, which uh-huh. was me. Like, I had <laughs> just been writing Thor for two years. Yeah. Like bring back that guy. That guy was doing good. Who's yeah. this new guy? It's true. No, <laughs> that, that that was me that said that, and I was right. I stand by that. <laughs> um, and I will uh, going back to like we're talking about nice people in comics. Um, the in the midst of that, when all that out, when that backlash first broke, uh, I got a message on Facebook one night from Walt Simonson, who I'd never met at the time. Sure. Messaged me out of the blue. He he didn't he hadn't read the you know the book wasn't wasn't out yet he hadn't read it he hadn't seen anything other than people complaining about it on a Thor message board he went to and he just messaged me just to say that it made him laugh because it sounded exactly like all the stuff people wrote <laughs> when they when he took over the book which yeah. made you know like yeah. made my heart burst like the nicest things a guy didn't know me no. He didn't have to reach out in that way, but it was, it was sure. just so sweet. And I've met, you know, Walt since then and got to work with him a little bit. Nicest guy you'll yeah. ever meet in comics. But I, I, awesome. I've only met Walt once. I had a when I did Star Wars One Hundred Eight, the continuation of the like the original Marvel run a few years ago. Like the Marvel run ends at one hundred seven, and then they were like for the anniversary of for the eightieth anniversary of Marvel, um, we're gonna do you know continue it and i so i wrote that issue i wrote the like peace and and panic mark Benicio, the editor on the book was like you know walt worked a lot on that stuff we should call him and i was like why and he was like <laughs> you know just to get a feel and a sense and like he was like do you not want to talk to him and i was like no i would love to talk to him i don't want to bother him and he was like no no he'll be happy to talk like he's he's the nicest person on earth and and right before the call mark was like set aside a long time like set aside an hour and i was like he's gonna <laughs> talk to me about star wars comics from the 70s for an hour and he's like yeah yes and we got on the phone and he uh talked about you know he talked about everything he talked about alien and we're gonna alien and star wars and all this stuff and making the star wars comics and it was you know, among the best hours of my life, just like hearing him tell these stories and listening to this stuff. And at the end, he was like, well, what are you thinking about doing? And I I told it to him and he was like, that sounds cool. And he was like, um, they're going to ask me what I think. And he's like, but it doesn't matter what I think. They hired you to do the job. This sounds good. Go make it. And he was like, but can I draw a cover for it? And I was like, I'm, I'm not the person who decides that, but like, please, yes, I don't know. And uh, and he ended up doing the cover and it was like, it's awesome. his just being like so supportive and kind. Again, it's like the thing we talked about of like, yeah, they're just people who are so kind to you that you want to be kind to. Right. You know, you just hold that moment so close and you want to be that person as much as you can to, for other people. That's great. Yeah, um, the, I had... Uh, Walt sent me the. He did a one page in a in a Thor anniversary issue, and he sent it to me. Oh, awesome. I, I think again on Facebook Messenger, and was like, "How does this look okay? How, how is this?" <laughs> Which is the most ridiculous thing. Like Walt Simonson asked me asking me if you know he did yeah, a yeah. good job <laughs> drawing a Thor page. Like, um, you have a lot of notes though. 
You said oh, like a ton of notes. Yeah, yeah. I took out my red, <laughs> red marker and ripped it to pieces. Yeah. Um, <laughs> before we get out of here, I uh, I want to talk about uh, Once Upon a Time at the End of the World, mm. um, which is your your new creator on book um, that you're doing a boom. That uh, it's a funny thing to me because you told me about the book. And when you told me about the book, I thought you were fucking with me because because the oh, way yeah. you, the way you described it felt like it was a like it was a joke about like my interests. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I was like, what did I say? You you were like, it's it's a post-apocalyptic. It's it's kids in a post-apocalyptic wasteland done by Wes Anderson, I think is what you said, basically. <laughs> and I was like, that's what I do. And I was like, that's what I'm into. Like, that's all my interests put together in one tidy bag. And I, I literally was like, wait, are you serious? And you were like, yeah, I'm serious. And I was like, that sounds cool. And I couldn't visualize it coming from you. Like, and then you sent me the first issue. And uh, I've never... There are moments when you make that, because I, I do a post-apocalyptic kids book myself. Which and is there, great. Which is great. I it's enjoy fine. that book as well. Thank you. Sorry, <laughs> shit. That's, I said I wasn't going to say anything else nice about it. There, there, are, <laughs> there are just these moments where, like, you take something and you see how different a writer handles the same sort of basic thing that we planted in the same soil and you came out with something that's so completely different and so beautiful to me and so mind-blowing and every single issue has like 10 things where I have to stop and pause and be like that's so good and it's so powerful and so <laughs> like and and sometimes it's funny things and sometimes it's weird things and sometimes it's really powerful things I don't know the book is just really special and but my first thought always was like, this doesn't sound like a Jason Aaron book to me, like from when you were talking about it. But then I read it and it feels so much like you and so personal to you and so smart. Like, was this book an attempt to do something different for you? Was this, does it feel different for you to make this book? Yeah. Well, I mean, thank you for all those things you just said. I, I really appreciate that. This book does mean, um, tremendous amount to me it's another one of those ideas i've had for a long time but it's it's changed a lot over the years and then it kind of all came together um you, you know in, in the last few years and mm -hmm. and uh it's certainly a very very different book now than if i had done it you know when i initially came up with the idea probably 10 years ago or so um it is i think by the time it's all done You'll be able to look at it and see it's the it's the most me thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the the first arc is really the part where, yeah, in my mind, it was always Wes Anderson doing Road Warrior. You know, Wes yeah. Anderson the post apocalyptic love story, um, like Moonrise Kingdom. You know, mm -hmm. in 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 the in the wasteland. The second arc is really something profoundly different. Um, kind of avoided talking too much about it because mm -hmm. I sort of want people to go into it not really knowing what to expect and you really don't know what to expect from what we've done so far. Um, it is 
write, writing the second arc, and I'm, I'm almost done with it. I'm working on the last issue of the second arc now. It is, I think for the first time since I was fucking 15 years old, it feels um, scary in a way where you're, you're like, am I... Is this too much? Am I, am I pulling back the curtain too much? Am I putting too much of the shit inside my head on paper? Um, which, which is scary, but also feels exciting. Of like, yeah, that's yeah. absolutely the reason you should do that. So there's, it's been incredibly difficult to write some of this stuff or figure out how to write some of it. Um, you know, in good and bad ways. So. Uh, and and I think the the final arc um, will it'll also be it'll be completely different from the first two, but we'll pull elements um, from both those into it. Um, it will be you know challenging in, in completely different ways. So I the, the all all of that to to me is what makes this book. Um, so important to me and, and, and exciting. Plus I'm working with not just one amazing artist, but a, a, a group of them. Yeah. Um, Alexander Tafinki did the, the first arc. Um, Layla Del Duca's doing the, the second one and Nick Dragata's doing the third. Wow. And then again, like we, you know, the, even though Alex drew the bulk of that first arc, you saw a little bit of Nick's work in mm-hmm. that second arc is, almost entirely Layla, but you see a little bit of Alex and Nick third arc is mostly Nick, but you'll see a lot of the other two as well. So those three timelines really start to, to weave together in a big way to kind of hammer home the different points. So it's, it is very much a book about um, the challenges that I think a lot of us went through in the last few years. It's, I, I hate, I hate saying that cause I don't want people to think this is a fucking COVID book. Cause it sounds like <laughs> who the fuck wants to read that? You know, like we lived, <laughs> we lived that book, right? Like yeah. don't need, saw the movie, don't need to read it. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's not that. I mean, I think certainly there, I think things from those times that it will resonate with, a lot of different people. I don't think it's just me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, there's so much of my life. I kind of pull into this from stuff in the present to stuff in the distant past again, in ways that I think, I think, like you said, may be surprising and that I've never mm-hmm. written anything like this, but in other ways is the, you know, you're seeing, more of me n- naked on this page than than any time ever in my 20, 20 years of doing this professionally. Uh, you know, I was I, I had a question, then I I skipped it, but this sort of is a good chance to just bring it back, which is you know you have this now like storied career. You you've worked on books, long runs on on quite a few like substantial titles, pretty iconic runs. And I was going to ask sort of what do you do to keep excited about work? Like what, what do you do to refill the creative tank? And now you're saying like, well, this book is sort of me feeling very naked on the page and like uncomfortable in a way. Do you feel like that was something you needed to do creatively at this point? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think this book field filled, you know, a lot of holes, um, in, in me in all sorts of different ways. I mean, it was the first, it's the first, you know, big new creator on book I've done in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, in, in in terms of like you know keeping interested and keeping excited, I think the um, for for fifteen sixteen years, like I was straight, I was doing at least one ongoing book for Marvel at all times. Yeah. Sometimes two, sometimes three. I think a few times, probably four in there. You know, um, so I kind of knew coming into like last year that, okay, I'm wrapping up Avengers and that's going to be it. I'm not picking up another one of those. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to jump off that ongoing train. Like I knew I needed a change. I needed to shake things up. It was also the same time my Marvel exclusive was expiring. So for the first time since, you know, 2008, I wasn't beholden to Marvel in any way. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that I, you know, was, was, it's not me turning away from Marvel or sure. um, like that still have nothing but good relationships there. It was just me. It just feels like a time to sort of broaden my horizons in a sense. And, and so I've really, I've spent the last since kind of, you know, the winter last year, I've spent my time one working a little bit less, like feeling after after working pretty hard through all of the all the shit of the last few years, I felt like I could probably do with a few less deadlines. So I've enjoyed mm-hmm. that, being able to travel a little bit more. Yeah. Um and just kind of pursue new stuff. So everything I'm doing um in terms of work for hire stuff is, you know, a shorter project. So it's me writing a bunch of characters I've never written before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also working on new creator creator owned stuff. So it it felt like the exact right time for me to just do a bunch of new shit. So it has felt mm-hmm. in, like reinvigorating in that way mm-hmm. of um, you know again getting to kind of flex different muscles. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's what's one of the things that's so fun about Once Upon a Time is that it's. That I've I've written, we 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 we've already established. I don't know how many comics I've written, but it's clearly more than I can remember. Yeah. Um. So getting to the point where I'm writing something, it's like shit. I've never written, I've never written a scenario like this. I've never written a scene like this. Mm-hmm. Um. Feels great, you know. And I feel like I'm doing that a lot right now. Yeah. I mean, the down part is I'm in that period where I have to be cryptic and I. You know, just do the shitty tea thing. Like, man, wait till you see the crazy shit I'm cooking up right now. (laughs) Um, Because I can't talk about any of it yet. Um, But I I mean, I am just, I am super excited, super happy, Um, which I I feel like I've been that way for most of my career. Like I've, I've never gotten bored or jaded about what I do. It always fills my tank, you know, but... Mm -hmm. Um, I'd say I'm certainly happier than ever with, with the, the shit I'm getting to work on right now. Hmm. Well, that is awesome. I, I will say as, as someone who uh, came into the industry as, as a fan of yours and now is in some ways a peer, um, it is really awesome and inspiring to see you do things that like still feel fucking fresh and like knock me on my ass and make me feel like I was you know more than a decade ago reading your stuff being like I want to do this like still having you put up books where I'm like damn I want to do that like I want to figure out how to make that is is really awesome and uh that is why 
we were so excited to have you on here and and thank you so much for coming out jason it it really means a lot to me yeah thank you no this was great this was fun and i'm well, not just not just saying that you don't have to do that we don't have to do I don't, that I, I don't say that to any of the other podcasts oh is that true oh okay, i mean th- most of those were shitty like this one's <laughs> yeah yeah this yeah one, we we're really not shitty that's our top, that's our top notch yeah, everything about this is very professional. Is that a pull quote that we can use? <laughs> not, Slapping it on the art. Uh, yeah. Everything about this not, is top notch. Not as shitty as you might think. There's your no. pull quote. <laughs> perfect, uh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of part two of our discussion with Jason Aaron. Make sure to check out Once Upon a Time at the End of the World, as well as everything else he's working on by giving him a follow on Twitter at Jason Aaron, or by subscribing to his Substack at jasonaaron.substack.com. To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week with another wonderful guest. And in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at ashcanpress on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.